Amen. Come on, stand to your feet and go ahead and turn to Matthew's gospel, uh, chapter number 24 in your Bibles. Matthew's gospel, chapter 24. When you arrive there, you can say amen. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number four. Now, just so you can understand the context of this particular verse, Jesus is explaining to the disciples what will be the sign of his coming, Jesus' coming, or the end of the age. And so I want you to, to look at this particular passage you're going to read in the context of that. Jesus answering the question that the disciples have, when will the end of these things happen? When will you be coming uh, coming back. So this is the context and the background by which Jesus is speaking. So we'll pick it up in verse number four. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And verse, verse 14 is the verse I want you to put an asterisk by. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then the end will come. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we stand in all of you. We stand in all of your presence. We stand in awe of your power. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. We thank you, Father God, for the hope that we have in your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that even at this very moment, that your spirit is moving upon the face of the earth. And God, you are bringing all things to the consummation of your return and the ushering end of a new and brighter day, the kingdom of the living God. Yet you have placed us here in this time for this moment.
that we might extrapolate a remnant for yourself, a people that have been called from the foundations of the earth. We stand in awe this morning because we marvel, God, that out of all the people of the planet, you chose us to be a part of your kingdom, that kingdom which is everlasting. And so, God, we ask for your help. Lord, as I preach this morning, God, I got this burning desire, Lord, that I articulate this word without error, with precision and in clarity so that the hearer may hear and that the hearer may apply and grow and be uplifted and encouraged. So, God, I ask that you would use me for thy own purpose. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that only you and your word will be noticed in this moment. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. While I was on vacation, we had an opportunity to visit another church. And we found a church in the area. Um, and we went there and we had a wonderful experience. God met us there and it's a wonderful people. It's so good to be able to find the people of God wherever you go. But I left that service and as I walked out of that service, I was greeted by bad news that was saying that there was another shooting Another act of violence that happened in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I believe that was the case. It was other police officers that were shot. And when I first heard that, I, my first thought was, God, let the church be the church in this moment. That was my prayer. My prayer was, God, let the church be the church. Let the church rise in this moment and point people to the only one that can bring healing, that can help to bring light into darkness, and that can free men from this evil that is deep in our hearts. We began a series a few weeks ago entitled United We Stand. And we've been talking about the power of unity and how that when we become unified that God can use us to do some extraordinary things. And we talked about the importance of that unity and we really focused in on the people of God, the church. I really believe that the church is the agent of change that is needed in the earth today. The church is that light so that men can understand and see how they are supposed to live. The church is God's vehicle in the earth. It's his voice. We, God, has used us, called us for such a time as this. And so the plight of our nation this month has been a very difficult month, very challenging Race relations have deteriorated in very significant ways in our nation. Gun violence and terrorism plagues our streets even till this day. Political tensions has risen and have become very 
polarizing, actually. This seems to be, no matter where you turn, this seems to be the conversation of the day. What's happening around us. I want to tell you a story. When I was a little boy, I was about seven or eight years old, and uh, my grandmother at that time, um, she was uh, gravely ill. I didn't know anything about uh, the level of her sickness. I just knew that she was sick. And so as a little boy, I happened to um, uh, walk into a room where my grandmother was sitting. And around her, there were uh, my aunts, you know, and my mother and all of them, they were tending to her wounds. And what I remember seeing as a little boy is these big open sores that was on my grandmother's back. I mean, the kind of sores that they were like, they were, they were red, very deep red. And I, and I remember looking at that and I just, and I just kind of stood back like, wow. And, you know, and of course they were like, you know, shut the door, get out, you know, because I wasn't supposed to be there. And I remember thinking to myself, why don't they just put a, put a bandage on that? Why, you know, they need to cover that up or, or do something. Little did I know that my grandmother had cancer. And no matter how many times they put a bandage on her, the root of the problem was cancer. So no matter what they did, if they tried to bandage it up, they tried to put some uh, medicine on it, it didn't matter. Until they, was, until they dealt with the cancer, it, it was just going to continue to resurface. And, and obviously, uh, it, it shortly thereafter took her life. What is the root problem of our society today? Some will say, you know, we need social justice, man. That's what it's all about. You know, let's go fight the power. Let's just get out there and let's 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 fight social justice, you know, and you know, poverty, that's that's the main that we gotta we gotta deal with that. That is the issue. That's if we can fix poverty, then you know we can we can be better. We'd be on our way. Oh, if somehow that we can, we can just fix this issue of abortion, which is a, a horrible thing. Man, that, that got to be the signature issue of our day. And it is very important. All of those issues I mentioned to you are very important. And unfortunately, there are many people who believe, even some of us Christians, that if somehow that we can fix those things, then then we'll be on our way. And so then when men hear from us, when we enter into these conversations, we have a tendency to allow men to think that if somehow we can fix these social ills, then we'll be okay. Can I say something? If you unless you deal with the root problem of a thing, you're not really going to fix it. You're not going to fix it. You can bandage it. You know, like many people thought, like in the 60s, we made some huge strides of racism. And and some people naively thought, oh, racism, there's no more racism. Now, what we did was we put a bandage on it, we tried to cover it up. But but how many know that the problem is with the heart of man? Man's heart has to change. Are you hearing me? And until men's hearts change, then we will, these issues will continue to, continue to perpetuate. My biggest fear 
is that we as a church don't understand that man's greatest need is not social justice, even though it's important. I don't want to, I don't want to misstate that reality. Social justice is important. But you know, when Jesus came, understand something about Jesus, Jesus didn't come to start a political revolution. Do you remember there was a time when they got they grabbed Jesus? They said, we're going to take you by force. We want you to be king, Jesus. We want you to come, and we want you to overthrow the Roman government. Y'all remember that? We want you to come, and we want you to take over. We want you to do, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. My, my time has not come. And, and what did Jesus do? Jesus just went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to listen to me very carefully. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you here this morning. Man's greatest need is salvation. Everything else, I want you to understand this. Everything else that we're doing, if somehow the gospel don't penetrate through all the darkness, then we're leaving man ultimately to a deception that suggests that they can be all right without God. How many know that's why we're in this place in the first place? This is why society is broken. Society is broken because society has rejected Jesus Christ. Society, do not, if you don't believe me, just, just get involved in some conversation where people are talking about some of these social issues. And then, and then I'm talking to, to unbelievers, around unbelievers. And you start talking about Jesus and see, what, see how they treat you. How many of you believe that many of them would be like, get that Jesus? We don't want to hear that. We don't want to have time to talk about that, man. We, we got to deal with these issues here. Because what we're doing is, I want you to understand is that, that here's, here's my point of this, this sermon really, is that my heart bleeds because I see that we sometimes as Christians, that we're more passionate about social justice and issues that I think are important than we are with Proclaiming the gospel. Say this with me. Say this with me. It is the gospel that set men free. Say it again. It is the gospel that set men free. Because Jesus is often rejected by the world and too often avoided by the church in some sense, in some ways. Because let's be honest. Man, you know, people, people, how many know in, within man, there is this attitude that says that I can figure this out all on my own. Come on, church. That is a symptom of the problem. That's what happened with Eve. How many know that's the original sin? They went outside of God. And, they, and here's, what, here's what characterizes the end times is that the men think that somehow they can fix their problems without God. And you and I both know, we both know. That without God, that this world is doomed and the people are doomed without God, period. Here's my question to you. I want you to think with me and I'm going to get into a couple of verses here in a moment. After if you're able to help people be a little bit better in terms of how we treat one another. If we're able to to somehow uh, 
uh, tamp down racism. And you're, let's say that, you're, that, that you're feeling pretty good, that, that, that you have made some progress along the way. I got a question for you. After that, then what? After that, then what? We're too comfortable today with allowing men to think that, hey, it's okay. And here's my point. We have forgotten our mission. It is the gospel. Peter said this. In 2 Peter, Peter said that the fashion of this world is passing away. He said that all the works and everything in it is going to be burned up. The only thing that's going to be left standing are those who are in Christ. Are you hearing me? Those who have embraced Christ. And so my heart bleed. I was listening the other day to CNN. And it was a, if I said the preacher's name, you'll all know who he is. And so I won't do that. And I was very disturbed because I heard him say something that no preacher ought to say when you're talking to potentially millions of people. And, and they were having a discussion about race. And the question was, uh, you know, you know, it was just talking about, you know, how do we fix these problems? How do, how do we? And, and then this preacher who has a very large microphone said he ended his statements with this, quote, we need hope. And I said, then I said, no, 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 you are the hope. You are the light. You are sitting there with this. Paul says it this way, that we have treasures in earthen vessels. Do you realize what you have on the inside of you? Now, I understand, to some extent, I understand probably what he was thinking, but, but, but it did not help the hearer who's sitting there listening at a person who is a man of God say, we need hope. And so the world is left thinking to themselves that, man, we don't need God, really. We can figure this out all on our own. And, and, and maybe if we want to talk, you know, we, we can do the religious thing. We can, we, can, we can pray to God if we need and we can ask him. But, but really, we're not, we're, we're okay. Let's just figure this all out. You're not going to figure it all out. Jesus has already figured it out for us. Can somebody say amen to that? Matthew 24 gives a very dark picture. How many know that sometimes that the light don't come until you deal with the darkness that is at hand? In other words, you got to deal with the reality. Jesus in Matthew 20, chapter 24, he's preparing the disciples. He wants them to understand what's coming down the pike. And he tells them, he says, he, he, he says to them, Jesus answered and said, take heed that no one deceives you. How many know that today there, there is great deception? There is great. I mean, if you're not, if you understand as a Christian, the moments in time for you to be a comfortable Christian, I want you to understand this. Those days are coming to an end in America. Some of you sitting right here right now, you don't, you, you, you listen to that, but it hasn't hit you yet. Limit the true Christians who are going to speak out for Jesus. Watch this. You are going to suffer persecution. You're going to be ostracized. Jesus says, take comfort that we can take comfort in knowing. Listen to this church. How many know that we can take comfort in knowing that Jesus already told us 
what the end of the story is going to be. How many know, I hate to be the one to, 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 to tell you this, but how many know that, that this world is not going to be fixed without Christ? All their efforts, all their, how many know, and they keep coming up with laws. You know why they keep coming up with laws? Because they're trying to regulate men's behavior, but the problem is they can't fix the heart. So they keep coming up with these laws because they're thinking that we can fix it. It can't get fixed. It will not get fixed without Christ. Period. Now, there are some people that will say, Pastor, I don't want to go to that church because they're preaching doom and gloom. I'm preaching Bible. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? He says, nation will rise against nation. This is Jesus talking prophetically. If you look at that word, the Greek word is ethnos. And what it means is, watch this, racial groups against racial groups. How many know that racism is nothing new under the sun? Racism, watch this, racism at the root is about sin. Because how many know that God made all men? Come on. God made all people. God didn't make stuff he hates. Are you hearing me? He made from one blood, he made all the peoples of the earth. And so God is a God of variety. But because of sin, we are pitted one against the other. How many know that all this stuff that is happening today, none of this has caught God by surprise? I need you to stay with me. Stay with me. Amen. None of this has caught God by surprise. This nation will rise against nation. Wars and rumors of wars. Now, we understand that there's always been wars and Rumors of wars. But the context of this particular passage of scripture, it suggests that as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ, these things are going to pick up speed. It's momentum. You're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. Every time you turn around, there's going to be fight. There's going to be terrorism. There's going to be nations coming against each other. There's always something brewing. And as we get closer to the return of Christ, we're going to see it more and more. Wars and rumors of wars, Jesus says. So watch. In verse number seven, here's what he says, church. If y'all still listen to me, say, say amen. He says, listen, these are the beginning of sorrows. Y'all know that I wouldn't be allowed to preach this kind of message in a lot of churches. You know that, right? Jesus says that what we're seeing now is the beginning of sorrows. Now, we can take comfort because he said this, that in this world, you will have tribulation. But he says, but you, Christian, be of good cheer. Why can I be of good cheer, uh, Lord, when there's so much? He says, because I've overcome the world. And because he's overcome, how many know that if you're in Christ, you're already an overcomer? Come on, you ought to clap your hand and give Jesus praise for that. You're already an overcomer. Come on, clap a little bit better in there. Come on, clap loud. What's wrong with y'all today? You're in the kingdom. He says you will be hated. Understand something. That this is all what Jesus already talked about. He said you're going to be hated for my name's sake. If you want to start talking about me, people are going to hate. How many know that people have no issues when you start talking about God in general terms? But the moment you say that name, what's that name? Come on, say it. What's that name? One more time. What's that name? How many know the moment you say that name, all bets are off? 
And even sometimes now, some of these politicians, when they have some of these men of God pray, they tell them specifically, you can't say the name of Jesus. Don't, don't say that name because you don't want to offend people. How I many you know we're living in that time? Now, I want you to understand something because Jesus is telling us. This is why I'm so excited about this, because he's already telling us. He said, hey, look, you're going to have ethnic groups. You're going to have people against each other. You're going to have wars. You're going to have terrorism. He's basically telling you this is, this is all part of God's plan. Now, watch. He says, lawlessness will abound. Think deeper. Think deeper. It's not about policemen. It's not just about the people that you see. It's not just about the, the people that are being attacked. It's not. It's bigger than that. He says, because lawlessness will abound, the hearts of many will grow cold. How many know that we're flirting with and we're, and we're threatening a state of lawlessness around the world, not just this country? Jesus is saying, he's prophetically saying, this is what's going to happen. And he's saying this to you who are the church, you who will hear. You're hearing this morning. But in the midst of all that, here's what he said. This is the verse of verse 14. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. Now, let me stop right there for a moment. Here it is. That Jesus paints this picture. He, he tells us, he says, you know, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be deception. Nations are going to be against each other. There's going to be fighting. People are not going to love each other. People are going to hate each other. People are not going to like it when you talk about it. He says, all this stuff is going to happen. He's telling you. He said, he said it here. He said it as if he wrote it yesterday. He says, all of this is going to happen. But he said, in the midst of all of that, he says, watch this. Are you listening? Say amen. He says, this gospel must be preached in all the world. Stop right there. Who's preaching the gospel? Who preaches the gospel? Who's preaching it? You. He says, this gospel. So here's the expectation. The expectation is there's going to be trouble. There's going to be pain. There's going to be hardship. But my expectation is that the gospel get preached, not social justice, not take on all of the different platforms, which, listen to me, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved. But what I am saying is that we need to craft our involvement around the gospel of Jesus. Is anybody hearing me this morning? We need to craft our involvement around the message of the gospel because if it's just about, because Jesus did not call us to fix social ills. So some of you, you have a tough time with that, but let it sink. Go read your Bible. He did not call us to, that is not the primary call. What did Jesus walk around doing? He walked around preaching gospel, preaching the gospel. He, everywhere he went, he just kept preaching the gospel of the good news. Jesus, you need to go over there and overthrow the Roman government. No, not doing that. Because you are, why, why, is he, why, does he, why does he not need to do that? Because he's already said the fashion of this world is passing away. The, 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 the government will be upon his shoulders and his kingdom is going to be an everlasting kingdom. No, he didn't cause us to fix these problems. He's saying, I'm going to eradicate the whole thing. But in the meantime, you need to be preaching the gospel. Everybody say gospel. It is the gospel that is going to help people. It is the gospel that is going to extrapolate or pull out from this world a people that will serve God forever. It's the gospel. 
And here's my, my fear is that the gospel get lost in all of our arguments. And we got preachers on TV nowadays. They're not preaching the gospel. They're preaching other stuff. They're preaching other platforms. But there's no mention of the gospel, which we are called. Jesus expected. Listen to me, church. He expected that amid, amid all of that trouble, all of that turmoil, he said, preach the gospel. He said, gospel must be preached. And he says, and he says here, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, all the world, all the world, all the world. And then the end will come. Can I ask you a question? When you're talking to your coworkers, when you're talking to your friends, what are you preaching? What are you talking about? What, what are you saying? I mean, it's okay to address the issue of racism and police brutality. But after what? After that, then what? what, what how are you framing that conversation? We can't give people a false sense of security. That somehow, that if we just fix this, we'll be okay. No, they will still die unless they have a relationship with Jesus. Anybody agree with that? Unless men have a relationship with Jesus, they will suffer eternity away from God forever. Forever. We all agree with that. So all I'm saying is, what happened to the gospel? Where's the gospel? Don't allow the enemy to water it down. I said a moment ago, the salvation in man's greatest need. Jesus said this in Matthew 8, Mark 8, 36. He says, for what will a profit a man if he gains? Listen to this. If he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. <sighs> Boy, I'm, I'm hoping I'm helping somebody this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God that you are getting this. What would a prophet, if, if you're able to, to somehow to, to, to minimize some of the ills and problems of our day and all of that, and, and, and they are worthy things. I'm not discounting those. But what does a prophet if we do all of that and the person still die and go to hell, what does it matter in the end? Here's what I'm trying to say. How many know the gospel must be supreme above everything because it's the only thing that saves men? Are you hearing me? It's the only thing that saves men. How many know men can't save themselves? We can't save ourselves. Romans 3.20 says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. You can't work your way. We can't try to earn God's favor. And just because somebody say, say a prayer for me, I'm praying for you. How I many you know that not everybody's praying to the same God you're talking about? Is anybody hearing me this morning? There ain't but one God according to the scriptures. Ain't but one God. But yet we live in a society, American culture has become more pluralistic in its orientation as it relates to gods, you know. And, and nowadays they're having all kind of parties where they, everybody just kind of get together and, you know. And the reality of it is, is it's a deception. There got to be somebody who has to preach the gospel and tell the truth. By the deeds of the... By the deeds of the law, no flesh should be justified in this sight. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, unless you repent, all will perish. What do we mean by repent? Turn away from your sins and turn to God. There is no other name, Acts 4, 12, 
given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name Jesus. This is it, church. Man's most greatest need is salvation. His greatest need. And until we do that, because how many know that only God and God alone has the power to change hearts? How many know you can't change hearts? You can establish a law to try to regulate behavior, but the Bible says ultimately whatever is inside of your heart is going to come out. How many know that, that what's been inside of people's hearts, how many know it's coming out? You can't hide it but for so long because pressure has a way of bringing to the forefront what you're all about on the inside. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they teach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. Everybody say, it's the gospel. I want you to get that into your spirit. If you don't get every, anything else I say today, it's the gospel. He's how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Listen, have your arguments, talk to people, debate issues, but make sure that you, you are gospel-centric or gospel-centered. What do I mean by gospel-centric? Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Because you may say, well, what does that mean, Pastor? That means that I'm going to be so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. Does it mean that I'm totally supposed to be completely oblivious to the problems that are around me? No. Does it mean that I'm just supposed to ignore those things and just grab hands on Sunday with my, my brothers and sisters in Christ and just sing kumbaya and it's going to be all right in the Bible? No. Stop. What does it mean to be gospel-centric? What is the gospel? The word gospel means simply good news. Everybody say good news. How many know that this is good news? This is good news. You got good news on the inside. Don't let the devil try to make you, intimidate you to think that it's not good news. It is good news. So Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, he defines, listen to me, church, he defines what the gospel is. In a nutshell, Jesus expanded on the gospel of the kingdom. Everywhere Jesus went, when he talked, he kept talking about the character of the kingdom. How it works, how we live. It was all about the kingdom because he knew that not everybody was going to accept him. He knew that not everybody was going to be in the kingdom of God. You need to know that not everybody's going to get right with God. Not everybody's going to. The Bible says, Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there will be that get it. Few. Everybody say, Few. This is, this is what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 4 it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, here it is, which also you receive and which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preach unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Watch this. Here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried. And that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, according to the plan of God. 
So first, Christ died for our sins. In other words, church, what we need to communicate to people is that many of the results of the, many of the consequences of what we're seeing today is as a result of sin. How many know that people are, are dancing all around the issues because they don't want to deal with what's, what's really the problem? It's sin, the consequences. The reason why we have uh, injustice, the reason why we have police brutality, the reason why we have uh, police shot down, the reason why we have all the problems, it is because of sin. And the message is God, Christ died for our sins. Brother, all the sins you, I mean, when I first came to Christ, you know, what, what, what really moved me toward Christ, because I don't know about you, but I did some bad things in my life, some stuff I wasn't happy about. And when the gospel was preached to me, that God will forgive me of every sin I ever committed, and he will wipe my slate clean. How many know it brought joy to my soul? Some of you don't know. Some of you don't know. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about because you, you you haven't you know. But I'm talking to those those who, who really understand. I mean, how many of you have done some stuff in your life you ain't too proud about? And God has wiped this slate clean. Some of us have done some horrible things. We don't talk about it, but then the message of the, the good news of the gospel is Jesus died for all of it. This slate has been wiped clean. How many know that never should get old with us? There always should be excitement. Man, he's forgiven me. And not only did he forgive me, but he keeps on forgiving me of all of my... How many know that's good news? That Christ died for the sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. All men need to know that they are sinners and they need a Savior. If we're communicating with people and we're not conveying that message, we're missing an opportunity. Christ was buried means that our sins was forever dealt with. He died in our place. He took God's judgment for us. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And he rose again. Here's the message. Let me know this sin was defeated. We need to let people know that there is an escape route and the only way that we're going to fix this is we got to turn to Jesus. Are y'all listening to me? I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, uh, Japanese. Uh, well, that is Asian. But, but you, you get, I'm trying to get all of them. Muslim, whatever. All, it does not matter. All of us have to, all, going to be fixed the same way. Jesus and Jesus alone. Listen, if you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm going to go fix this. You're not going to fix it. But you need to be as a light in darkness so that men can see the fire exit. How many know there is a fire in the building? I just want to see where's the exit sign. Well, how do I get out? The church, you are that exit sign. Shine bright so that men can see how to get out of this and be made right with God. So our personal lives must be gospel-centered. How many know the apostle Paul was really good at this? Paul, Paul said it this way. He says, he says, I do nothing among you. He says, I know nothing among you except Christ and Christ crucified. He said this in 1 Corinthians. He says, I know nothing among you except Christ and Christ crucified. In other words, every time Paul opened his mouth, and y'all read the scriptures, right? If Paul was here today, how do you think he would be handling these discussions that we're dealing with today? 
if the Apostle Paul, from what you know, for those who are Bible readers, if Paul was here, do you think Paul would be up there saying, power to the people, social justice, at all? You think, you, I'm just asking you a question. I'm just asking you a question. What would you think, Paul? Would, he be, would you think Paul would be that fist of fighting with somebody in the street? Because, no, no. Paul would be like saying, brother, if you read Acts chapter 17, write that down in your notes. Paul had a platform. Paul came into a city, and he said he saw all these, all these folks, all these different gods. And then he saw one sign that said, to the unknown God. And Paul said, he said, I see all this stuff y'all got written down, how y'all worshiping all these different gods. But he said, now, you got one sign up that said to the unknown God. To, to, to him, I want to make him known to you today who he is. Paul looked at every opportunity he had, and here was Paul's thinking. Paul was thinking, how can I get people to see Jesus? Paul says that, he says, in, I believe in Philippians chapter 2, he says, I just want to know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Paul says, I gave it up. He said, I gave up all my degrees. I gave up all my accolades. I gave up all my money. He said, the only thing that I want to do is I want to know Jesus and I want to make him known. Everything that Christ did, everything that Paul did, everything he said was centered around the message of the gospel. I asked you earlier, I asked you again, when you're having these discussions, is the gospel coming through at all? Or are you leaving people thinking that if they can just get Congress to pass a new law, and some of you are thinking wrongly that if you get the right person in office, it's going to fix the problem. It's not. It's not. You may like a certain person a little bit better, but it's not going to fix it. Trump or Clinton, it doesn't matter. I know some of you right now, some of you just got mad because that's your platform. Pastor, you messing with what's important to me. Listen to me. Your politics cannot supersede God's will and God's order and God's word. Your politics, your attitude must bow to the word of God. See, I got delivered years ago. I say, I say this to people all the time. People, what do you think about this, Pastor? Gary, Pastor Gary, what do you think about such and such? I get this question all the time. And they always want to pull me down. I say, when I say pull me down, they want to pull me down in their, those weak discussions that at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you something right now. I am free from racism. I am free from people that hurt me in the past. I told people, man, I, I told a brother the other day, I said, brother, I was that brother who was on the street holding up the sign, fight the power. Some of you help me remember that song. I was that brother on the street that had the little bow ties. I mean, you know, I like wearing bow ties, but y'all know what I'm talking about. The, the group that wear the little bow ties. I was that guy that had the new, I was that guy. I grew up in all black environment. My whole experience was black. So everything I knew was black. And I was all about black, black, fight the power, the injustices. I got delivered from that. Now, let me say what I mean by that. Do I still care about issues concerning my people? Sure I do. Apostle Paul says, Paul said, I wish I would have cursed for some of my people who were Jews. He said, I would be a curse. And he said, I, I, would, I, would, I would die in their place, man, if I could just get them saved. But what, what, was the, what was the message behind it? I just want to get them saved. I want to get them to the light. I want to get them to, to know Jesus because he knew that at the end of the day, that's what, that was the only thing that was going to, 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 to help them. And so in a very real sense, I'm in a position that I can minister to any group of people and I have no bitterness in my heart. And there have been some stuff I work in. Mm, mm. 
Did anybody, listen, I work in an environment where there's racism. I, I was somewhere the other day and somebody said something. And I was, I won't go into detail because I don't know who's watching this. I might have to edit it out. But, but I was so upset because something was said. And I, and I said to them, I said to these are colleagues, I said, man, if, you know, no matter how you think about it, it was just terrible that that little girl in that backseat had to witness her father being shot and killed. Yeah, it just kind of wiped the, oh, she was just a criminal, da 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 And I looked and I said, it doesn't even matter to you. But here's the thing. I didn't walk away upset and angry and mad and say, I don't know. No, I, God says, you know, your goal is to preach the good news of the gospel and to stay in a place where whenever God called on me, that I am not uh, I'm not hindered because of my emotional connection. Is anybody hearing me? The gospel must take priority over all of your emotions. Bring your, bring your emotions in check to the gospel. Is anybody hearing that this morning? He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How are we going to glorify our Father in heaven if there's no reference to our Father in heaven? that they don't even know that the works that you're doing is somehow tied to your father. Live your life in such a way that people, that at least people are provoked to ask you, why is it that you love like you love? Why is it that you forgive like you forgive? What's, what is it about you? And that's your moment to say Jesus. Because how many know he's the only, we, the only reason that I can stand in the face of what I have to deal with well, many people, the only reason, Jesus, everybody say Jesus. That's it. That's it. I said, man, he gives me grace to do whatever I need to do for the moment. He gives me grace. And when I got saved, the gospel became, Jesus became, listen, Jesus became everything to me to the extent that, that, that I just gave it all up for him. So I follow him with a great pursuit. And that's my number one agenda today. And how many know if you love Jesus, you can't hate people? <laughs> oh, he ain't happy. It just won't happen. Lastly, I'm closing with this. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Now, I titled this message, The Church Must Lead the Way. But why did I entitle the message, The Church Must Lead the Way? Lead the way to what? The church must lead the way to Christ. That's your number one priority. And I know some of you, you still want to embrace the kingdom, but still live in the past. You got to decide which way you want to go. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? He says, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you, and I'll be with you, lo, until the end of the age. In other words, God's anointing and his power is with those who are sharing the good news of the gospel. It's the gospel that saved people. For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, but it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You know, People get saved just because somebody like me just stand up and preach the Bible. And people's lives are changed. 
My life was radically changed because I heard somebody preach one day, just stood and said a word. They preached this book, and my life was changed. How many of you believe that there's power in the gospel? Make sure you share it. Make sure that when people get up from the table of discussion with you, that they walk away with the word or something that says, there's a better way. And, 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 and that guy named Ray, he was saying something I never heard before. You know, I, I'm thinking now, you know, and, and you know, I heard that, that, guy, that guy, Walter, you know, as I'm looking at all this, I'm, I'm frustrated. But Walter said something that was pretty interesting the other day. He said, he said that, 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 that this guy named Jesus has provided a way. He's the answer. When you get up from the table of discussion, don't you walk away with people still sitting there having not heard about the treasure that's down on the inside of you. So here's what I say. Have your debates. Have your discussions. But only the gospel is going to help people. Be, the church needs to be in unity. This is the last message on unity. The church needs to be in unity regarding this fact, the preaching of the gospel. That's the only thing that would change men's hearts. How many know that if laws would have changed men's hearts, that we still wouldn't be dealing with this same thing over and over again? Are y'all hearing me? Laws don't change hearts. It regulates behavior, don't change hearts. We need a heart change. Only God can do that. The fashion of this world is passing away. Preach Jesus every opportunity you get. And God will be with you. Heads bowed, eyes closed.